Welcome to 42 to Doomsday, the newest podcast in the Doctor Who firmament. My name's Robert. And I'm Mark. So 42 to Doomsday, Mark, um, what's it all about? Who chat? Who chat? Who chat. Yeah, who chat. Um, look, <laughs> is that a word? You know, is that, it is a word. It's now a word. Okay. Yeah, no, look, the, uh, the podcast is basically designed to enable us to have a chat about Doctor Who in all its, you know, goodness and badness. Um, certainly, uh, I've been looking out for a, for a podcast where, you know, people are just talking and not really reviewing. That's right. Okay, so what are your fan what are your fan credentials, Rob? Fan credentials? Well, I've got a double gamma. Does that mean anything to anyone outside of Australia or perhaps Sydney? <laughs> <laughs> no, well that look, I uh, my fan credentials, well, I mean, you know, like a, a lot of uh Doctor Who fans of my vintage, I first started watching the show back in the 70s. I th- my my strongest memory of strongest earliest memory of the show was uh was uh the time warrior uh, uh the uh, the reveal where the uh, the helmet came off and the centaurum was revealed and uh, i think we crashed into a into a cliffhanger at that stage we crashed into a cliffhanger at that stage i guess it did episode one links links yes i'm a, pr- I'm a pretty poor fan yeah so that was my earliest memory and uh, the sight of his face uh sent me uh running from the house to uh, where my father was outside so i'm fairly certain it was mid 70s because I do remember seeing it in colour. So unless it was one of the interminable repeats, that was my earliest experience of Doctor Who. Okay. What about you? Uh, my first uh, memory of the show was uh, the Key to Time series, Planet, the Pirate Planet, part one or two, I think. Um, really can remember uh, the speedboat flying in the air. Whatever that scene was, I can't even remember what scene it was, but um, that was my first memory of the show and my second one was uh, watching City of Death repeat in the summer of 1980 in the UK that's right because you um, you were when you were growing up you were living in the UK I was uh, I was so I got to experience the Saturday night buzz that was uh, Tom Baker in all his glory so uh, yes and then uh, we moved over here and uh, started watching the series of the Davison era and that's when I became a fan Given the the lack or the culture of no repeats in the UK, it must have been um, must have been a bit of a shock to be able to on tap have Doctor Who on tap really before the the, the dawn of the video and DVD ages. Uh, when I the first story I, story I saw over here was Ark Infinity, and I was a shocked because Peter Davison was there, and I was I was going, what's he doing? It he's some old creatures, great and small. And the next was why has he got Rice Krispies all over his face? <laughs> but yeah I mean then you know we used to get repeats on tap over here it was just amazing you know and then um, started in the late 80s being in contact with fans in the UK and organising tape swaps this is before things like torrents and what's a torrent Mark? I've never heard of torrents either, before in my actually. entire life I have to look on Wikipedia and find out what the definition is yes but yeah just um and became a fan from there on then and uh, got involved in the local uh, scene here in Victoria for a while and then dropped out for over 20 years. Out of organised fandom? Out of organised fandom. Yeah. Only recently dipped my toe back in the water, started writing reviews for a local magazine in Melbourne and now we're 
expanding onto a podcast. Yeah, well, I, um, I, uh, as I said, my involvement I sort of started in the mid seventies, and you know, I, I used to watch. I remember having piano lessons um, on a Tuesday evening, and and getting home in time to see the uh, the, the end titles for Mask of Mandragora, uh, and being sorely disappointed about that. But um, and then moving into the eighties, of course, uh, I started buying the novelizations, um, which were sort of you know coming out monthly at that stage. Uh, and, uh, and and watching the show, but then I, in my late teens, I managed to sell all my almost all my novelizations in a fit of I think fandom or fans go through a point where they sort of deny the show, and uh, so I did that. I mean, I kept all my magazines, but I sold all the novelizations because I wanted to raise some money to buy some other books that I wanted to buy. Uh, but then at university, um, I got back into it, even though I didn't have uh, a video player uh, when I was living on campus. I bought, you know, started buying some of the videos. And I restarted purchasing um, DWM. At that stage, they'd uh, they'd beefed up their archive uh, coverage, um, and I think it was the, one of the first issues I bought was I think it was one eighty seven. I think it was one had one of the first brief encounters, uh, and uh, yeah, that was that was. I mean, the change in the magazine from when I sort of dropped buying it to when I bought it was startling. And uh, at that time, I'd uh, really I'd, I'm a big I'm a big reader just generally, and I'd. Um, always fancied myself as a bit of a writer so I, I started writing um, Doctor Who fan fiction and managed to get something a story published in uh, DWM 214 for those people who are rifling rapidly through their um, collection it's the one with Tegan uh, tied to a tree with Tom Baker's scarf on the front cover so um, I got that published and then I sort of started sending stories into uh, fans, local fanzines like uh, Sonic Screwdriver which is the magazine for the Doctor Who Club of Victoria and some uh, some fanzines up in uh, Sydney, and I actually I was published in I think I've been published or fan published anyway in Canada and the UK and Australia and New Zealand, so that was my my big thing with with fandom. And then um, I got involved in organised fandom after I started working at Minotaur. I met a couple of mutual friends, and uh, you know I used to go to club meetings at Dorcas Street in South Melbourne, and uh, and that sort of turned into more of a social thing. And those people I've met uh, there, like yourself, have become firm friends. has gone from being a, a sort of insular interest in a, in a TV show to, um, you know, great friendships, great life long so far anyway, friendships with a whole group of people, which I, I think is uh, the sort of thing that happens is, is mirrored right across fandom. Um, you'll find that people sort of come for the show and, 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 and stay for the friends they make. So, I think my uh, first foray into fandom was attending a, a meeting, used to have meeting, club meetings in somebody's house and... Uh, I walked up to this house. It was only like twelve or thirteen. On the front, they, a, a sign was saying, uh, "No Colin Baker fans allowed." <laughs> so uh, I felt very welcome, actually. Yes, uh, welcomed into the bosom of organised fandom. Yeah, no, it's uh, well. I, as I said, I went to the the Doctor Who Club Victoria meetings um, in Dorcas Street, and they sort of moved off to Melbourne Uni, and uh, it just. A, I mean, it was. I didn't. I mean, occasionally we'd sit down and watch stuff, but I mean, I had my own VHSs, but it was usually just for the for the chit-chat, you know, for, to find out the latest gossips and rumour, will the show come back, you know, when is the show coming back, will the show come back, and all that sort of thing, and uh, and uh, and yeah, so, I mean, even now my um, my interest in the show, well, my, my as we'll probably discuss later, my interest in the show leans more towards the classic series, but um, I still do... Uh, have have a hand in in uh, in uh, in Doctor Who fan fiction. I, I sort of co-edit 
uh, a Doctor Who series called the the Doctor Who Project, which is uh, run by running out of Canada by a decent bloke, um, and we're just currently working through the the next season in air quotes uh, of stories. So that's keeping me occupied uh, at the moment. But uh, yeah, no, I keep up with my friends and all that sort of thing. And the podcast is probably the next manifestation of that interest in the show because. Um, uh, it's just you know it's timely and it's uh, you know it's, it's a chance to share your views uh, you know with a diverse bunch of people about a diverse bunch of uh, bunch of topics. upon our experiences in fandom how do you think uh, it's changed over the years well I mean as you said before you you started off going to to house parties essentially or to to someone's house Mm. and um, I'm sure I mean that experience sort of spilled out into you know face-to-face club meetings now you would have started doing that in the 80s before the rise of the internet and I started attending these uh, after 1990 probably about the mid 90s when the internet was on the rise so there was a for me there was that strange mixture of well you could access the internet and chat to, chat to fans but there was also that other aspect of the, the more personal touch and over the last fifteen or twenty years now uh, Doctor Who fandom is sort of splintered I think you could say I mean it's splintered and then coalesced around internet forums so yes there are the the conventions and there are you know st- sort of still club meetings and all that sort of thing but people get their fix of Doctor Who it seems to me anyway more and more. Uh, or actually probably almost exclusively now off the internet um, mm. and that's the same I mean as for the rest of society I mean the internet internet is killing newspapers uh, the internet has killed to a large extent that sort of face to face interaction I'm not denying it still you know it doesn't go on but um, you know you know, you jump onto a forum in the morning and find out the latest news and gossip and, and whatever about you know where, where the show is and who's saying what and who's doing what but um yeah, it's certainly it's certainly changed out of out of so my my main fix with uh, with uh, talking about Doctor Who is you know on the internet, reading forums and that sort of thing, and, and emailing friends, etc. Uh, etc. Et with the occasional catch up. What about you? One thing we will say about this podcast is we won't be having a associated forum with it. There are plenty of others out there if you choose to uh, spend your time looking at uh, at them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one more forum in a sea of dozens and dozens and dozens is not is not going to add to anyone's experience um if people want to interact with us well there's obviously we've set up a, a, a an email account and we've certainly set up a, a twitter account which we'll be using to you know send out messages about this that and the other and, you know the latest podcasts and all that sort of thing but uh there's plenty of you know well-run quality forums and frankly i don't have the time to moderate you people okay go be at someone else's hassle i actually don't go onto many forums at all I sort of stay away from it. I mean, the, a lot of the views I hear are from other podcasts or from talking with uh, a very small bunch of fans, usually over emails these days, not much in the social. I don't go to club meetings or things like that. Mm. Um, mm. But I think it's also well, a reflection of the busy times that we have. Well, as the, the name of the podcast in, uh, indicates, uh, we are rapidly a- approaching 42, at least I am. And uh, when you hit that age, you've got, you know, fandom or interest in, in a show, organised fandom, interest in organised fandom sort of becomes a very 
it, it's down the ladder of concerns. I mean, I have a family and all that sort of thing, mm. and I've got full time work. Uh, I, you know, I've got time for the podcast, and and it's you know, I'm hoping it's going to be really enjoyable. But uh, no, I've, I'm not running a forum. Thank you very much. No, been there, done that. Uh, one of the other things about the podcast uh, listeners will note as we go on is, um, as we said at the top, it's mainly about just chatting about Doctor Who, about different things that come up, some topical, uh, like missing episodes, some not so topical. Um, but uh, we certainly won't be engaged in uh, full-on reviews of books, audios, TV, DVD. Um, there's more than enough of that out on the internet, uh, you know, and... I, again, as with running a forum, um, you can get your uh, you get your reviews, you know, at many different places with many different opi- opinions. We're more interested in just you know just sitting down, having a chat. Hopefully, uh, our listeners um, enjoy the experience of just you know listen, listening to us having a chat about uh, stuff that they may be interested in. So, again, reviews. There's plenty of them out there. You know where to find them. You won't find them here unless uh, they're big. I mean, and obviously in the 50th anniversary year. Uh, with the 50th anniversary special, uh, we'll certainly pro- we'll certainly talk about that. Uh, we we do intend talking about Big Finish's 50th anniversary special, uh, which is sliding along under the radar at the moment. But um, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely touch on those. But as a rule, no reviews, no reviews. You just mentioned before the 50th anniversary year. Uh, so far, has it lived up to your expectations? Oh, I'm underwhelmed. I'm a bit underwhelmed actually. Uh, Look, I mean, the 50th anniversary is from November 23rd, I suppose, or starting November 23rd. So, look, you know, there must be, might be huge things planned. But when we have to wait 11 months of the year to get anything, well, uh, I'm a bit underwhelmed. I, I don't, and the BBC is bizarrely playing things close to their chests. I don't. If you want to build up a buzz, you do not build up a buzz by having no buzz. You've got to start somewhere. And at the moment, I don't think they've started anywhere. Uh, apart from tidbits of you know what the the fiftieth anniversary itself and and who's in it and what we sort of could anticipate, but you know it's pre- it's been pretty underwhelming and that's that's disappointingly so. Um, J and T when he was running the twentieth uh, anniversary, he 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 pulled out all the stops uh, to get that out there, but uh, at the moment um, it's a bit disappointing. Middling, I think, is a word. Middling. Middling. Yeah. Look, I've got you know. My hopes are that things do ramp up towards the November go live date, but so far that's just been very underwhelming. Like you just, and like you said, I mean, everything's so under under the wraps. And I, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I'm, there would definitely be plans in place, and I suppose I'm exhibiting a bit of you know fan uh, an, uh, anticipation that um, you know you'd want you want to know now instead of having to wait, but. It's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit poor. It's a bit mm. poor, in my opinion. But you know, hopefully, I'm not going to condemn them at this stage. Hope it'll be on what they actually manage to produce uh, with the anniversary itself. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll also say that uh, when fandom appears to be more interested in um, the return of missing episodes and hoping that they do, you know, we're getting episodes, episodes back than the actual 50th anniversary story, you know that something has gone wrong. I mean, fan, fandom is fairly insular, and you know the general public wouldn't give two hoots 
about you know what we think but within our little um organization within our little groupings um i've i've heard or read lots of opinions or comments by people who say if there are missing episodes to come back and there's a frenzy going on at the moment about that uh i'm anticipating the return of black and white more than uh than St- uh, Stephen moffat's uh, effort with the 50th anniversary so that's that's a telling thing amongst fandom at the moment and of course you can hear more about our missing thoughts on missing episodes and upcoming podcast for, to be released in a week or two Yes, stay tuned. Uh, so, I mean, we've established our fan bona fides, but uh, in terms of the the series, Mark, um, what's uh, what was the the favourite uh, era for you? Well. It's usually the one you grow up with, and I uh, grew up with the Davison era, so that uh, has a soft spot in my heart. However, with the uh, DVD releases uh, that have been coming out over the last you know, 10 years, some of those opinions have changed slightly. Um, I've actually been really enjoying more of the Pertwee uh, stuff than the Davison era. I don't think, apart from Monster of Peldon, which is truly boring... I don't think there's a dud one in it. I mean, Time Monster's a bit, you know, it's it's fun, it's fun. But uh, the the Pertwee era has, has gone up in my estimations quite significantly. McCoy's, um, apart from Greatest Show's gone up in my estimation. Paradise Towers is still wo- woefully in, uh, in down in my favourite story list. It's, don't think it would ever appear at all. What's your favourite era, Rob? Well, like you said, Mark, it's the it's generally speaking, it's the era that you grow up with, and um, I, I grew up with Tom Baker's portrayal, um, and I, I keep on coming back to that as, as being the high point of the series, uh, especially the the the, the darker uh, so-called gothic um, aspect of it, the Hinchcliffe and Holmes years. I mean, that's that my my reading and viewing tastes sort of expand to sort of uh, you know darker darker tales, a bit more drama filled. And uh, I mean, watching watching those as a kid, some of them were genuinely scary. I mean, I remember watching Ark in Space, where it's Noah who does the reveal with the the, the, um, the bubble wrap hand uh, to a good god. I must have been six or seven at that stage. Uh, that was that was that was really really spooky. And even watching it now, I mean, it's terribly affecting uh, seeing that. But I mean, I mean, stories like Pyramids. I recently watched Pyramids, and even though the the last episode is a bit is a bit of a letdown, uh, it's just you know it. They were playing it straight-ish, and Tom Baker is uh, restrained, more restrained, obviously, than in the later part of his tenure. And his just his, his interaction with um, Liz Sladen, uh, the, the, obviously, they, they had a really great rapport. Uh, and you can see that on the screen. And the writing is, I mean, the writing's top-notch. Uh, the acting's top-notch. And the stories, I mean, my, my favourite from that era is, uh, is Seeds of Doom, which uh, John Carpenter pillaged a few years later for The Thing. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I watched that on DVD when it came out, and I was I was transported back to the late seventies, and you know, a, a darkened weekday evening, uh, probably during winter, and uh, you know, it was just it was just fantastic. And so, I mean, that that particular era is my favourite era. Uh, I do, uh, I did enjoy Davison's era, and um, and you know, Case of Androzani, I've always said is the best story from the eighties. Sylvester McCoy has a couple of you know four or five good stories, but his first year is absolutely rubbish. It's it's crap. There's no other word for it. It's crap. 
I like you. I've uh, started rewatching um, the John Pertwee stories, and I'm, I've uh, I've been watching Time Monster and uh, and um, Time Monster and what was that first story of his second season? I've just completely Terror, gone blank. Terror of the Autons. I've, and I've started watching Terror of the Autons, and uh, and I actually recently watched uh, all of Invasion of uh, the Dinosaurs, and that was really fun. It's really fun. People say that he sort of lost interest in his last year, but. There's no lack of interest from what I could see uh, in Invasion of the Dinosaurs. and I mean, even though the special effects are completely rubbish. Um, it's just a fun story. It's a very a good fun story, story, actually. Yeah, it is a very good story. Yeah. I got, uh, yeah. But um, I've, I've seen, you know, uh, The Time Monster, most of that last season. And uh, it's... Um, Pertwee does the job. You know, for a comedian who decided to play it straight, he plays it really well. And, of course, I... Uh, even though I regard, you know, Tom Baker's early era as the best part of the series, the classic series, I... For me, the best Doctor is, is Patrick Troughton, and um, I just recently rewatched uh, uh, Tomb of the Cybermen and some 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 of the Orphan episodes on the Lost in Time DVD. And he's just marvelous. He's he's a really he's a really he's one of the best you know actors to have played the role. Probably the best actor to have played the role. And his uh, his performance even inspires uh, actors today with with Matt Smith. Uh, you know, clearly sort of modelling at least some of his interpretation of what what Troughton brought to the role. So. Yeah, Tom Baker for me, early Tom Baker, and uh, and, and Troughton as the, as the best Doctor for me. What are your three worst stories? Three worst stories? Yeah. Uh, I had the distinct privilege of watching Delta and the Bannerman earlier this year. Words, there's there there's a, a universe of words that, you know, fail to describe how bad that story is. Just awful. Just absolutely awful on every single level. Every single level. Um, and the other two bad stories oh really uh, Time Flight is crap Time Flight is absolute crap John Nathan Turner and we, we'll probably discuss this a little bit you know when we, we discuss John Nathan Turner but I mean Earthshock was followed up by Time Flight mm. what the hell happened there and Codes of Androzani was followed up by Twin Dilemma I know the series had no money even at the best of times it had no money but surely the goodness Oh, just just time flight is crap, and Ark of Infinity is is not much better. Ark of Infinity is not much better. Um, a very poor way to start off a season, actually, which is surprising given you know his successes you know in the last in the previous years. So those those three, especially from the eighties, I mean, I've got the strongest memories of those being rubbish. It's a bit unfair to sort of point the stick at some of the Hartnell stuff, um, though I wasn't particularly impressed with Planet of Giants uh, when I watched it when it came out earlier earlier this year. Uh, so yeah, so some of the eighty stuff is is pretty bad, but there's 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 a few putrid ones also in the sixties and the seventies. Mm. Yourself, what are your bottom three? Well, it's going to be you know, a lot of it's from season twenty four, but that's that's always you know that's that's the easy easy way out, isn't it? That's the default that's position the when position. people are talking so, about quality. Look, yeah. this is, I'll put it on the plate. On the, on the I'll put it now. Uh, I don't like season twenty four at all, but uh, in terms of other. Uh, Stories I don't like. Well, I mentioned already Monster of Peldon. I have to disagree with you. I think Pertwee is definitely phoning it in on Monster of Peldon. I think it's obviously when he's done the, uh, you know, it's sort of the realisation that he's leaving is kicking in. He is, just seems rather lost. He just seems, doesn't have any teeth, doesn't have any grit or determination about him. I don't know. But um, I think he's definitely phoning it in on that story. Underworld's pretty bad. No, it um, is. Yeah. Look, I understand with the whole CSO thing, brave attempts. Just the story is just boring, and um, 
probably the same as you, time flight. Very average. Very average. Well, and Twin Dilemma. I've, already, I've said four, sorry. Oh, I said four as well, so okay. don't worry about it. It's fine. When the best you can say about something is it's very average, that's fairly condemnatory anyway. So. Mm. And um, the perennial question, well, at least since the show came back, uh, is uh, the classic versus modern dichotomy, Mark. Where do you where, where do your preferences lay? Where does your heart lie with regards My to... My heart lies with the classic, although I am delighted that it's back, and I think it's great that young kids are, are getting into it, embracing it, so... You know, it's not so bad when you go to bookshops and there's a bunch of forty-year-old guys standing around book corrals looking for mm. looking at Doctor Who books. They've got young kids, which is I think it's great. Um, mm. uh, yeah, my heart's with a classic series. I look at the uh, in terms of rewatch value. I always find I go back to the classic series more to rewatch it. I think I've watched maybe two or three of the new of the new series stories. I've watched them more than once. Mm. that's it I just find them I, I enjoy them I just find them disposable yeah I, I think disposable is, is pretty cl- very close to the mark I mean I I'm, I agree with you I, I'm a classic series man uh, I was very happy uh, when the show was announced to, to be coming back um, was it 2004 now? Two, yeah it was 2003 I think it was it was oh, announced and then, and then came on screen okay 2005 oh yes that's uh, yeah no that was when my daughter was born so that, that yes I should remember that um, yeah no I'm a classic series man for all the reasons I mentioned before I mean as you said when you when you you when you f- first come to the show you're generally young and impressionable and uh, I was young and impressionable when I started watching uh, Doctor Who and uh, it just stuck with me or the classic series has stuck with me since then as you said um, the new series is largely enjoyable largely okay it i don't think the 40 odd minute format really suits it it just it's a story is here today gone tomorrow and it just there's no opportunity for it to linger um which is a real pity because there's uh, there's some there's some very good stuff that has gone out but it would have been even better with a chance to you know to breathe to, to, to breathe really and um and uh, but it, that just sort of fits with the, the the style of storytelling and television drama today, I suppose. Um, it's you know everything races along at a fr- uh, breakneck speed, and then you, you're into the the end, se- end titles. Mm. So having said that, there are plenty of TV shows, mainly from the states these days, that use the forty or forty five minute you know format, and do it really really well. There's some wonderful drama coming out of America at the moment that has the same. I mean, episodes have the same duration but they manage to pack more in and you don't feel like you're being shortchanged at all you feel like you're getting to know these characters and that the drama is real drama with doctor who i mean you know it is aimed at more of a family audience and i can understand that there are aspects of it that don't appeal to me but um uh, again it's disposable it's like a mcdonald's meal it you know for that 40 odd minutes when you're chowing down on that cheeseburger uh it's nice but afterwards, what was that all about? You can hear, so. you can feel your arteries hardening after it. Yes, a lot of sugary goodness and uh, fatty uh, substances. Uh, but I think you've made a point there where you talk about drama. I think because we're obviously on the older end of the spectrum, I prefer watching drama series now, like the new, like a lot of Sorkin dramas I enjoy. Mm. Um, I find that much more engaging to me 
than the new series. I know that it's it's made for a different demographic, but um, yeah, I just I just get more of a, a response out of those sort of dramas than what mm. I do New Who. But and there's and there's look, there's no denying that the new series is phenomenally successful. Mm. I mean, it's still a ratings winner in the UK, consistently in the top twenty. Um, it's made pretty good inroads into the US. You know, it's top four or top ten here in Australia on the night that it screened. Um, and it's and a massive money spinner for the BBC, I've got no doubt. I mean, they, they release their annual reports and, and they say, you know, the new series is a contributor to the BBC's success and its brand name and all that sort of thing. Uh, but sometimes I think that, uh, you know, you just just watching it because it's, it's, it's a habit. It's a habit. And then if you were to sort of cut the cord, you, you really wouldn't look back and, and regret doing so. But uh, it's harmless. It's harmless entertainment, which is... You know, a positive on one side and a negative on the other. So, but uh, yeah, definitely me, a classic man. Always happy to uh, pick up the DVDs and always happy to dip back in. And I'm certainly looking forward to um, to catching up on Pertwee. I mean, a lot of the Pertwee stuff I haven't watched for thirty years. So, uh, really looking forward to catching up on on, on some of that. Hmm. So thanks everyone for listening to our first effort at our podcast, uh, Podcast Zero. Uh, next week, uh, join us when we will be discussing that perennial Doctor Who topic, Missing Episodes, uh, where we talk at length about the latest round of rumours that have basically convulsed fandom and continue to convulse fandom. So um, so join us. Uh, we also welcome uh, topics from uh, our listeners. Uh, our Gmail account is 42todoomsday at gmail.com and also we have a, a Twitter account uh, at 42 to doomsday uh, as I said we, we welcome any and all topics and feedback we just want uh, to make the, the podcast the best that it can be and the only way to do that is get uh, feedback from yourselves so join us next week when we talk about missing episodes I've been Rob and I've been Mark see you next time mm-hmm.